Hi there, and welcome to the 2020 edition of the UAE Tech Podcast, a series of discussions on how technology is reshaping governance and economics in the United Arab Emirates. From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite with Alboaba Business. Israelis are, I think, also pretty quick to learn from others. There's a lot they can learn because the startups they have in the two countries are very, very different. So ours tend to be, you know, there's a lot of deep tech startups here mm. in Israel. A lot, a lot of deep tech startups that come from, you know, whose roots are in academia or in the military industries. Mm. Israel is a kind of a natural place for AI and computer vision. Mm. Um, here, there's a lot more real manufacturing obviously not as much as you see in, in large manufacturing economies like, you know, like the US or, or, or Germany or, or China, but there is some, there is quite a bit of precision manufacturing going on here, high-end stuff right. um, that you see a lot of innovation around that. You also see here a lot of media, social entertainment uh, platforms, which we don't necessarily have where we come from. So there is a complementary base of startup capabilities in both countries. But Israel, you know, Israel has more startups per capita than anywhere else. It is a very, very, very unique environment. What Israel doesn't have is it doesn't have a domestic market. And although the UAE also doesn't have a very large domestic market, the UAE is a, you know, it is a first rate business hub. Mm. Tel Aviv is not. Meaning you're not seeing a lot of Tel Aviv companies having large headquarters that serve and in what I would call like a catchment basin or a, a neighboring countries, you do see that here. And I think that you'll see a lot of startups who very early on in their evolution, rather than just targeting New York or London, are going to say, you know what, I should really make my way to the UAE because if I do want to, tra- you know, I want to target the enormous potential of the, what's called the Indian Ocean Basin, South Asia, the greater Middle East, this is the place to do it. This week, we're talking with Dorian Barak, a prominent investor and fund manager based in Israel. Earlier this year, Dorian founded the UAE Israel Business Council to explore opportunities for investment between the two countries. With the passing of the Abraham Accords in September 2020, collaboration and integration between two of the region's most globalized economies is suddenly possible. Until recently, such collaboration existed only behind closed doors. American-born and educated at Yale, Oxford, and UCLA, Dorian has managed venture capital and equity funds out of Israel and around the world. He's also worked with the business community in the UAE prior to the signing of the Accords. As such, he's uniquely well-placed to provide insights and analysis on the journey ahead, with specific reference to the technology industry. In this episode, Dorian explains how Israel offers deep tech experience in areas such as computer vision, and automated mobility through hosting companies such as Mobileye. Israel could assist the UAE in implementing world-leading renewable solutions, new agricultural methods in terms of high-intensity vertical agriculture, which require less land and less water, as well as cooperation in cutting-edge digital health services. At the same time, the discussion explores how the UAE can provide Israeli entrepreneurs and businesses with access to the Indian Ocean Basin alongside geographic proximity to their head offices. UAE-based logistics solutions and capabilities in infrastructure and construction 
are mentioned, as are Abu Dhabi-based sovereign wealth funds, which might serve as vehicles for shared projects on high-end technologies in the future. It does seem as if the potential for the Abraham Accords to accelerate the fourth industrial revolution in the UAE is significant. The question is how that potential can be realized and what the journey ahead might look like. I've been coming to the UAE for for the past decade, about five or six times a year, wearing various hats. And by kind of by training, I'm a, a banker and a lawyer. Um, and I ran a big international banking business in, uh, in Tel Aviv for Hapolim. We had operations in some 20 countries. And, you know, for me, the Gulf generally was always kind of a big gray area, meaning I never traveled there. It's the, the one area I'd fly over and through, but I never actually had a chance to start uh, to actually do business. And about 10 years ago, I began coming here on the back of a fund I launched, a technology fund called Indigo, to meet with investors to accompany portfolio companies of mine that were active in the Gulf, Israeli portfolio companies that were active uh, in the Gulf and in the UAE in particular. And I fell in love with the place. I think it's a super special commercial hub. It's you know, really unparalleled. Um, in the greater Middle East, I think as a gateway to South Asia and to, to Africa, it's an incredible place. And I, um, I began to pursue more and more opportunities here. Traveling on a U.S. passport, Darian confirms how a small community of Israeli business people have been coming in and out of the UAE for a number of years, but always on the down low. That's correct. I was coming in on a U.S. passport and I wasn't the only one. There was a whole community of principally Americans Brits, Anglos, who were coming here quite regularly from Israel, and obviously Jews from Western countries, um, again, principally Anglos, uh, who were even, they even established a Jewish community here in the UAE, which was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, there's been, uh, there's been actually quite a bit of trade below the surface going on for some time. With the signing of the Abraham Accords, business between Israel and the UAE is not only possible, but out in the open. So what are the implications for the tech industry in particular? I think what is going to happen over the next several months and years, obviously, but especially in the several months to come, is you're going to see the kind of the great um, uncovering of something that was always there below the surface, which was a lot of interest locally in Israeli technology and capabilities in areas that Israel is strong. And those are primarily technological areas like clean energy, renewables, cyber, uh, agritech, all the medical areas, the life sciences, from medical devices to diagnostics to digital health solutions. I think you're going to find a great, great degree of interest that has been kind of uncovered and unleashed. Uh, At the same time, I think you're going to find a lot of Israelis who come here and say, wow, this this is a pretty unique business environment and the kind of place that we see ourselves able to set up hubs or operations or second headquarters in order to target markets that we've we've neglected or haven't given proper attention to over the past few decades because our mindset had always been geared towards the west there has always been this cliche that israeli business people and entrepreneurs have looked to the west for investment and market access flying over and bypassing much of the region including the gcc 
As new investment and geopolitical opportunities emerge in the East, that's no longer as true as it might have been during the 90s or the early 2000s. But it is fair to say that first-hand economic, cultural, and interpersonal relationships between Israel and the UAE remain in their infancy, relative to other global centers of trade and commerce. I asked Dorian how members of the Israeli tech and investment community that have worked in the UAE for some time might pave the way for shared experiences and confidence-building measures over the months and years ahead. I think the early pioneers have a head start on everyone else. Um, and we actually set up the UAE Israel Business Council in order to help others who are interested in doing this do it. Meaning, there's no reason just because we're there first, we should be the only ones doing it. But I think that Israelis, if you've worked with Israelis, Israelis are very, very quick to capitalize on opportunities. I mean, the number of Israelis you see leaving the country every Sunday and returning every Thursday, that's our work week, uh, to places from you know Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Africa, North America, Asia, is, it's mind-boggling. Israel is often dubbed the startup nation. It has more startups per capita than anywhere else in the world. It plays host to 10.5% of all global AI startups. It's received over 1.5 billion US dollars in investments in high-tech startups, according to Statista.com. Behind these stats, Dorian points to a culture of innovation that has really saturated all parts of society inside Israel, particularly among the younger generation. As somebody who grew up on Wall Street, I look around me and I see my Israeli, or the, the young generation, the, the, the 20-somethings, the people in their late teens, even people in their early 30s. And the things thereafter are very different from the things that would, tip, would motivate your typical North American corporate executive type or banker. You know, they're... People, everybody wants to have their startup. Everybody wants to have, make their contribution to the innovation economy. Mm. It's pretty amazing. You know, people want to be innovators. People want to be thought of as innovators. Right. People want to build careers doing new and different things that have never been done before. There's kind of a national ethos around that. Across the Middle East, young people want to be innovators. As in Israel, the UAE government has promoted innovation in the tech sector in particular as a strategy to leapfrog into a new stage of economic development. Both Israel and the UAE are promoting deep tech and the digital economy as the future, and the younger populations seem to be completely on board. So will this synergy serve as the basis for knowledge-sharing collaboration going forward? Absolutely. And, you know, Israelis are, I think, also pretty quick to learn from others. There's a lot they can learn because the startups they have in the two countries are very, very different. So ours tend to be, you know, there's a lot of deep tech startups here mm. in Israel. A lot, a lot of deep tech startups that come from, you know, whose roots are in academia or in the military industries. Mm. Israel is a kind of a natural place for AI and computer vision. Mm. Um, here, there's a lot more real manufacturing, obviously not as much as you see in, in large manufacturing economies like you know, like the U.S. or, or, or Germany or, or China, but there is some, there is quite a bit of precision manufacturing going on here, high-end stuff. Right. Um, that you see a lot of innovation around that. You also see here a lot of media, social, entertainment uh, platforms, which we don't necessarily have where we come from. So there is a complementary base of startup capabilities in both countries. But Israel, you know, Israel has more startups per capita than anywhere else. It is a very, very, very unique environment. 
What Israel doesn't have is it doesn't have a domestic market. And although the UAE also doesn't have a very large domestic market, the UAE is a, you know, it is a first rate business hub. Mm. Tel Aviv is not. Meaning you're not seeing a lot of Tel Aviv companies having large headquarters that serve and in what I would call like a catchment basin or a, a neighboring countries. You do see that here. And I think that you'll see a lot of startups who very early on in their evolution, rather than just targeting New York or London, are going to say, you know what, I should really make my way to the UAE because if I do want to, tra- you know, I want to target the enormous potential of the, what's called the Indian Ocean Basin, South Asia, the greater Middle East, this is the place to do it. So zooming in and going into detail, what kind of Israeli companies or startups might begin to explore and move into the UAE market to begin with? Will they be seed stage or medium to large enterprises? Seed stage companies are very, very tough in that they don't necessarily have a well-defined product. I think this is the kind of place you come. Once you have a product, once you have initial sales, you understand that the market wants what you're selling. And this is a place to do a really kind of a massive scale up. Israel's a great, you know, it's a great petri dish for something to take hold and to initially develop. But once it grows to, I would say, a point where you can begin thinking about a scale up, you really need to take that company out of its host and place it somewhere else where its growth can be more easily fostered and and accelerated. Earlier this year in June, Dorian co-founded the UAE-Israel Business Council alongside Fleur Hassan Nahum, the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. What is the mission of the council and what does it hope to achieve going forward? The UAE-Israel Business Council was established to, just as we define it, to help foster commercial and personal ties between Israel and the UAE, and by extension to the rest of the Gulf. We believe that this region has a lot to the UAE and Israel both have a lot to benefit from each other. We're talking about the two most dynamic economies and certainly the two most dynamic uh, technology ecosystems in the region. We have a lot to learn from each other. We have complementary capabilities. We offer each other something that we don't necessarily have ourselves. Um, and that's a pretty unique combination. At the same time, you know, there's a basis for this. It's not something that's completely virgin territory. There have been a lot of Israeli companies doing stuff here. Emiratis tend to be very, very global citizens in their approach. Mm. There's very few Emiratis who have, business people who haven't spent a lot of time abroad. So they've encountered Israelis in different places. They've encountered Jews in other places. They're used to working in the same environments that Israelis work. So I think there's going to be, it's going to be a pretty easy fit. Less than six months ago, even setting up a public forum in which Israelis and Emiratis can openly discuss economic integration, would have been extremely difficult. So what are the first steps for structuring something like the UAE Business Council? How will it work in practice? And how will it target the technology industry? It's a good question. I mean, our focus, our, our focus initially was create was, you know, we didn't know for sure that this would work. We didn't know there would be a lot of interest, certainly not when we established ourselves. What we found over the past several months is that there's a huge interest. And the number of people who've signed up or registered with us is, you know, exceeds, I think it's about a couple thousand now. Uh, we have a lot of followers on Twitter. We have in, uh, an innumerable incoming increase from both sides. Emirati saying, listen, I do so-and-so. I'd like to move into Israel. I'd like to penetrate that market. How would you suggest I do it? And we have a whole team of people now who is 
processing these and engaging with the people who reach out to us and on the Israeli side as well. Um, you know, we live in an area where business councils um, are probably more effective platforms than your traditional chambers of commerce. Nobody needs to find out about, you know, tax policy in Israel. They can find that out on their own. Anybody who's looking for a very, very specific capability, they can look on LinkedIn or surf the web and they'll find it. But people who want to develop relationships with business people that are interested in engaging with those from the other country, um, they find this a particularly convenient platform for reaching out to like-minded Emiratis. Israel has a system of government and, and innovation culture that are almost like nowhere else. What is the role of the Israeli private sector within this system? You'd be surprised that Israel doesn't have the fastest internet, but it does have a laissez-faire approach to businesses developing. It has a real hands-off approach. And I often tell people that in UAE, the UAE, it succeeds because of the vision of its leaders who are great and doing you know, remarkable things. Israel succeeds in many ways in spite of its leadership. We have a <laughs> fractious political system. We have, you know, we've had lots of elections. If you ask most Israelis, they're dissatisfied. They don't believe in um, the political system in their country. They believe in it in as much as, you know, it provides security and defense and, and you, need a, you need to suffer a political system. But people don't actually trust the government to do the right thing or to promote business in a, in a, in a thoughtful way. Israeli companies, though, they spearhead that alone. And they, 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 they don't wait for direction. The innovation in Israel, I always tell people, is irreverent. I mean, mm. there's a certain amount of irreverence built into that. Challenging the boundaries, testing the limits, doing things that are a little, little bit in the gray area, always looking for shortcuts, workarounds, exceptions. That's really the basis of, of innovation. So we bring that same spirit and skepticism also to our understanding of our, you know, our political system, our government. Um, it's very healthy for innovation. It makes it sometimes challenging to build, you know, large hierarchical companies. Mm. But that spirit of innovation informs you know, that spirit, that spirit, that personality trait that so many Israeli have. Uh, it informs our political system, our economic system, and certainly our innovation ecosystem. Analysts, policymakers, and CEOs are all working hard to identify early areas of potential economic collaboration between Israel and the UAE. I asked Dorian for his analysis. What are the early stage strategic opportunities that both sides might want to consider? Now, what areas are we going to see traction in first? Right. That's really what it comes down to. I think that I think the areas that I see the greatest promise, and let's talk about it from both perspectives. Hmm. Israelis coming to the UAE, you know, what do Israelis do really, really well that they don't do here as well that they can make a contribution with? And the first is obviously um, it's renewables. Israel is one of the world's preeminent hubs for renewable technologies. We don't deploy them so much, or not as much as you'd expect from the country that really leads a lot of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, Israel has, for example, dozens and dozens of mobility companies focusing on electrical vehicles. We don't make electrical vehicles. We'll never make electrical vehicles, I believe. But we are a source of the technology for making electrical vehicles and for making autonomous vehicles. And Mobileye, which is probably the most significant company in this space, which was bought by Intel for $15 billion about two years ago, is the best articulation of that. So I think you're going to see renewable technologies coming here en masse. I think that's the future. The Emirati government also has a pretty clear vision 
um, of making of the shift to renewables, clean energy, uh, clean power, or cleaner power, storage. Israelis are very good at that. Another area that Israelis, and by the way, before I actually go on further, you know, Israel recycles upwards of 70% of its water consumption. The next closest country is Spain with about 25%. So that's a lot of, or it's water waste. That's a lot of uh, recycling. Israel is very, very good at that. The second area I think that's critical is agricultural technologies. Israel was, I think, probably the pioneer country when it came to making the desert bloom. They've done a great job here as well. But Israel has what I would call high-intensity vertical agriculture that uses very, very little water. When I say vertical, I mean they're growing up, they're growing with, with high density. Um, they're growing in such a way that you don't need to use that much land. And at the same time, the water consumption tends to be very, very low. That's something the Israelis are good at, and I think they're going to bring it here. And the third area, which I think Israel is a, really a, ahead of the pack in, is digital health. So Israelis have a history of a lot of innovation around medical devices and pharma and diagnostics, but fusing technology and modern healthcare um, under this umbrella of digital health where you use data-driven precision medicine, diagnostics that are based on the crunching of big data and AI and treatments that rely on robotics. That's something Israel is super duper good at. And I think that that's something the Israelis will bring here. And then in the other direction, as I mentioned to you, I think the UAE is this you know, logistics here, the way commerce is set up here. It's pretty amazing. And this place really has, has gotten it right. I'm in, the, I'm in Dubai right now. Um, it is a, it's just a very hospitable business climate. And that's not something that's easy to create. So many countries try to do it. The only country I, that I can imagine that's kind of on par or similar is Singapore. And I think Dubai is still an easier, or the UAE is still an easier place than Singapore. So that's a, that's a real asset the UAE has. I also think there's a lot of capabilities here in infrastructure and construction. We see that with these kind of mammoth infrastructure projects, these really innovative um, infrastructure projects, which include you know a, a lot of dredging and creating artificial islands and delivering water long distances and creating power generation facilities in a pretty inhospitable climate. That's a unique capability set that I think Israelis are going to really, really gain from. On a macro level, the analysis Dorian has just provided is compelling. But what about the mechanics? How do things work on an individual or a corporate level? How does a UAE-based business go about arriving in Israel and setting up and investing? I think Emirati construction groups will do well to develop property in Israel. The level here of, um, of the construction is very, very, very high, especially in the luxury sector. People do things here quite quickly. And again, in very inhospitable conditions. This is a pretty hot place. Um, it can be very humid at times as well. There's degradation. Emiratis have figured out how to deal with that. Mm. In terms of specific investments, and you know, a lot of Emiratis turn to me and say, so how do I invest in Israel? What do I, what do, I do to tap into this? And I tell them, the first thing you need to do is you need to find... Find a few partners locally. Israel is a country where personal links, just like here, they really matter. People have deep, deep personal relationships. Find a partner you trust, somebody you can you know, rely upon to be your local eyes and ears there. It's a market that is, you know, it's a very you know, culturally diverse, internationally oriented market, but it's also a very closed society. 
So within the tech ecosystem, people know each other. You know, there's, a, there's a large number of funds, but the ones that matter are relatively limited. If you look on, you know, you look on, I would, they always say on LinkedIn, you know, no is, you're basically one step removed from any other Israeli and you can probably just call anybody up on their cell phone, which you can <laughs> yeah. get quite easily. Sounds just like Dubai and Amman. Yeah. So I call up, you know, I can call up people and say, hey, somebody, I know, I noticed you know somebody, I need to ask you a quick question. And, and Israelis are pretty open about these things. So for an Emirati to, to tap into that, they really should do it with a, with a local partner slash friend, someone they trust. The second thing I'll tell Emiratis is spend time in Israel. This is not a place, and especially tech investment, is not something you want to do really long distance. Of course, it's going to be difficult for you to understand the IP. The technical nature of the investment is, is it, it, or the technical aspects may you know, may escape you because those are really for engineers to understand, your business people. But spend time in the market. You'll learn a lot. It'll just kind of rub onto you. The buzz, the hum of how Israel works is something it takes a little bit of time to learn. Once you figure it out, it's a much easier place to operate in. So go frequently and spend a lot of time there and you'll find your way. The deal between Israel and the UAE has its detractors on a political and economic basis. After the honeymoon period is over, the hard work on logistics, legal interoperability between states on things like tax laws, and relationship building will begin. I asked Dorian how a frank and open discussion on possible bumps in the road ahead could be modelled, and what future challenges might look like and how they could be overcome. Again, that's a very good question. I think there are going to be a lot of hiccups in this relationship. First of all, because of the nature of Israeli business culture, which is much more transactional, mm. and Emirati culture, which is much more relationship-based. That's yeah. going to create a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, Israelis are used to very, very cutthroat competition. People here are used to having exclusive relationships with their partners. That's going to be something that's going to test the relationship. Mm. But I think ultimately, especially with Dubai, which is such an international city, Israelis are going to fit into the fabric of this place quite easily. And I think Emiratis that come to Israel, because they're offering something so different, and you know, they, they come from an, a very, very different perspective than any other groups that come to Israel today, with the exception perhaps of the Chinese, who come from a, a culture which is very, in some respects, you know, very, very different from that which we find in Israel, which to all inten- you know, for all intents and purposes is a very European country. Um, you're going to find that the Emirati investors and the Emirati business people offer something entirely different. And the Israelis are going to latch onto that. And I think the Emiratis are going to benefit from it. There is no natural gateway to South Asia or the greater Middle East that Israelis have access to today. You know, there is no better place to target East Africa than, than Dubai. The UAE was established in 1971 and Israel in 1948. Both are young countries that have developed rapidly in a turbulent part of the world. So is this something to draw confidence from in future? I'll share with you things I always tell people. This is not a place, when God created the earth, you know, the UAE is not the first place he thought to have man live. It's a, <laughs> it's a very, very, very harsh climate. It's a harsh environment. And yet it's almost miraculous what has been achieved here. Israel also, you know, with so many enemies and so many challenges and again, a small strip of land that wasn't really endowed with so many resources, Israelis have also managed to achieve some pretty amazing, amazing things. And I can't think of any other countries in the region 
which share that in common. Um, and that's why I think that ultimately there's going to be the narrative is actually quite similar. The kind of we can do it attitude, very, very similar. The international nature of both places, you know, there's people here come from many different countries. How many Emiratis are native born? How many Emiratis have a parent who was born in another country? I think if you look at it statistically, you're going to find some great similarities between Israel and the UAE. And that, you know, that, that common narrative, who we are, what we're doing here, um, is going to bring people closer. Investors and VCs in Israel have singled out some of Abu Dhabi's sovereign wealth funds, in particular the Mubadala Investment Fund, reportedly worth $230 billion, as a potential source of collaboration on high-level tech and manufacturing. How might this work? You know, Mubadala is a very good example of state-backed or state support for innovative initiatives that really are transformative for the Emirates. They lead to emiratization. They bring uh, manufacturing here. And I'm not talking about low-end. I'm talking about very high-end capabilities. You're going to find in Israel where there isn't a large population base and where the population is, you know, the labor, labor costs are quite high, where you don't have a large domestic market, a real willingness to embrace the opportunity that Muvadala and Adio and other what I call parastatal companies offer Israeli companies, which is the ability to bring their technology, bring their capabilities here and set up a manufacturing or research and development or production base right in the heart um, of the greater Middle East. I think Israelis are going to gain from it. A lot of production is exported to China, which is very, very far away. A lot of Israelis focus on establishing operations in Europe, which is, you know, further away than the UAE, doesn't necessarily have the same economic incentives and appealing to a market that is not growing nearly as quickly as the neighboring markets here are. So you're going to find a lot of Israelis who take up Mubadala and Adio and other organizations on the opportunity to come here. Finally, I asked Dorian if he had plans to set up an office in the UAE anytime soon. We've received a lot of interest in being our, you know, so to speak, our, someone actually hosting the local office. So far, we're a pretty virtual organizational, very high-end people. So, you know, we have access to all the boardrooms, including my own and those of the other founders of the council. Um, but I expect us to be much more active here in the coming months, where we've already planned a series of in-person events, beginning with a uh, Gulf Israel Women's Forum, or Women's Business Forum, which is going to have its first ever event this Friday with a number of Israeli women, uh, Emirati women. I think there are going to be a couple of Bahraini women there as well. It'll be a pretty special, pretty special thing. That sounds great. Well, Dorian Barak, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure to be with you and thank you again.